welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast hosted by a couple of friends from Philly who like to talk about movies and all that. Um, so... This episode, we're talking about kind of wrapping up the conversation about animated films that we tend to return to a lot. But um, before we actually get into that, into my pick, um, I want to see how's everybody doing? How you doing? Do you watch any good movies lately? What's going on? I'm good. I'm watching Connor play a game on his phone right now, though. I'm not playing it. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I'm not it playing like it. they're at the standstill where they shake about, but no action. Really I know. Happens. It keeps distracting me. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There we on? go. <laughs> there we go. I always love finding out what games people play on their phones. Like, I play this word cross game that, like, really pisses me off, but I can't stop I play a Disney it. game on my phone. The Sumsums. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sumsums. I'm all about it. Star Wars Galaxy Heroes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's, you know. There was one game I played for a while. I think it was just called Stack. Did anyone else play that? <laughs> no. And it was just like trying to get one block and then the moving block to match completely. And every time it didn't, it would cut a little bit off until it like, you know. Uh-oh. Yeah, I played that for a very long time. Uh, that was that was uh, 10-10 for me. Mm. I had to like arrange the blocks and like clear oh, lines. Oh, yeah. Right. God. My brain, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, do you have any phone games? Um, no, I uh, I'm currently using a Samsung from from I think about 2003. Whoa! So it's uh, it, it can't do anything. It's vintage. Yeah. Does it, it is. flip or does it slide? It slides. Ooh. How's that working out for you? Every time one of you texts me, I uh, get a text that's an image of your phone number. That's where I'm at right now. You can probably play Tetris on uh, it. The good, the good old Tetris. I bet Tetris is on there. Snake? Snake. It might be. The phone itself is a lot like playing Tetris yeah. as far as even navigating it. So, I have a movie that I watched recently uh, that mm. just came out on Netflix, and it's so good. Uh, it's this documentary called Shirkers, and it's about... This uh, group of friends who lived in Singapore uh, and grew up in Singapore and shot a film that they really wanted to do in like 1992. And they shot it with this uh, like film school teacher that they had. Um, And they wrapped shooting and had all this wonderful footage of like life in there, like life in Singapore in the early 90s. And then the film teacher left with the footage and disappeared and 25 years later the footage resurfaced and this woman like went through this original footage and the whole documentary is about the whole process of making the movie reconnecting back with the friends that she made this movie with and trying to really figure out what had happened and the shape and the loss and devastation that this disappearing movie had. And then the amazing thing about the documentary too. So that whole story is really fascinating. And then just the, the footage of this movie uh, that they called shirkers. Uh, the, the tagline was that like, some people are movers, some people are shakers, others are shirkers. And it's this, <laughs> and, and the like footage that. is so beautiful. And so the documentary, um, weaves a lot of the original footage in with her trying to piece together this whole story about what had happened to it, uh, the the sort of healing process of, like, this group of friends coming back together and, like, mm. talking through the process. So I definitely recommend go see it. It just came oh, out on Netflix. Interesting. Really, really good. And the documentary is called Shirkers? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Whoa. That sounds great, actually. Uh. 
I saw John Wick recently. Yes. That was oh, I, love. Yes. I love Keanu Reeves so much. Oh my God. I, I liked that movie way more than I thought I was going to, but mm-hmm. um, I I mean, the first like 10 minutes of the movie, I was very upset because I knew what was going to happen and then it was just worse than I expected. Um, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Um, that was super good. Did we talk about John Wick with live action movies that turned to animation? I think Yes. Maybe. Because yeah. that would be a great candidate. Before. That movie looks so cool, and the fights are really great. And I think I've just been on a fight movie thing like recently, but damn. I was pretty stoked about that. Also, I just really love like the whole setup. Like the first like 20, 30 minutes of the movie are basically them all talking about what a badass Keanu Reeves is without oh, yeah. him how, having yeah, actually he, done anything yet. Like, yeah, you don't want to cross John Wick. I mean, you know he's a badass when he has to like Take a not a jackhammer, like a pickaxe, and like destroy the concrete floor. And as they're he's doing that, the other dude is talking about he's the Baba Yaga or whatever, and it means like boogeyman. (laughs) He will come for you in the night because you killed a dog. It's so fair enough. Yeah, like it's totally fair. It's so great. And no one like makes it sound like he's being unreasonable. Everyone's like, oh shit, shit. that guy killed his dog. (laughs) Don't get between John and his dog. I really want to see John Wick too. I'm excited about it. It's rough. Well, it's the same, <laughs> but it's more gratuitous. Like, the level is, like, I forget the difference, but, like, the first one, if you Google how many people have been killed in either one, oh my the God, first one is probably, like, oh, like 85. The second mm. one is probably, like, 140 people. <laughs> like, at a certain point, like, yes. you go through the experience, and it does the thing where it's, like, it's shockingly violent to the point that it's, you, you realize that, and then you get numb to it, but then... It goes so far that once you're numb to it, you come back around and are like, oh, this is additionally horrifying because I've been numb to it. Like, it gets <laughs> fucked Recognition up. that you're like, oh, 70 minutes into this movie. Oh, God. I mean, that movie that I reviewed for, or that we watched for Garrett's podcast, that was fucking insane. The amount of gore I saw in that. Yeah. What was the name of the bat podcast? <laughs> Uh, I like to movie movie numeric too, um, but yeah, the movie's insane. Like I, it came to a point where I was like, it's very like bloody and gory, and that does bug me sometimes. And I was like reacting, you know, like in my seat and stuff. But I was sitting there and I was like, I'm good. Like the whole time, I was like, yeah, I can keep going. I'm good. This is fucking great. Great. Yeah, it was lovely. I go ahead. Come. Oh, no, go ahead. You want to go? No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, I haven't really seen many movies lately, but I finished uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Did you like it? I loved it. It is uh, definitely one of my favorite TV shows that come out recently. Really? Um, it's sort of, I've been describing it in terms of like Game of Thrones. Oh. But with the idea that every character's choice has consequences. <laughs> Almost Where like it's real like, life. Yeah, like real life. Where it's like the, everything is Weird. just, the plot has just been so well thought out. Um, most of the characters like super well developed. Uh, these are actual like late teens, like people in their early twenties playing like teenager, you know, older like high schooler characters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an awesome amount. It's it's very campy, but the show's not making fun of itself. Like it plays it straight. Like there's all this like dark baptism. Like you're dishonorable. Like it kind of embraces this like kind of campy roots of like this comic from like the you know Archie from like the fifties and sixties, but. It was incredible. And they just announced that there's a Christmas special coming on December 14th mm. that they shot, that they surprised announced. Mm. And uh, Sabrina is the daughter of Don Draper in Mad Men, that same actress. Mm-hmm. 
She's awesome. Did they bring that world in? Yep. (laughs) All of a sudden, Don Draper shows up. It's a crossover. Oh my God. That would be really (laughs) funny. Can someone make that into a trailer? (laughs) I want to see that. Cross trailer. That sounds hilarious. It's just like Sabrina shit and like talking cats, and it cuts to like Don Draper just chain smoking in his office. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I don't know how I feel about the new Sabrina. I mean, the. The Sabrina and the Teenage Witch just means so much to me that, like, I don't even know if I would give it a fair shot, so. I mean, I think with something like this, too, it's so different that I think maybe in my brain I can set yeah. them apart and it's think of them as maybe. two totally yeah. different projects. It's whole, it's, you know, Zelda and Hilda are, like, totally different. Um, Zelda is a character you kind of hate in the beginning, but then by the end, every character has, there's, like, just awesome character growth. Uh, for most of the main cast, like throughout the entirety of the uh, first ten episodes, and then it doesn't really end. I'm not going to spoil it, but it doesn't end the way that I really liked it. But that's how it had to happen. Hmm. Like it was a satisfying ending. It's not the ending I wanted, but that's like a good thing. Yeah, hmm. if that makes sense. Well, that's cool. I appreciate that. Um, so not movie, also not movie, and and also not TV show. Um, I was watching this video today, and if you want to laugh, um, it was animals interrupting sports. <laughs> and it was fantastic I saw a lot um, One in particular that stands out Is a rabbit that was running on a football field Ran all the way to the end zone <laughs> And when it ran into the end zone They like played the Touchdown music and everyone oh, Cheered yes. So that you know, if you want so something good That sounds good. delightful yeah. Alright um, let's move on to Our unfocused group which I'm realizing Now we don't have any cards out for because um, we were rather unfocused. Oh, but I do have a question that kind of came up for me mm. as we were talking about John Wick. So maybe we'll just go one and done, or if sure. another question yeah. pops Let's up, let's do it. Um, who was your first fictional crush? Oh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. I thought he was hot as fuck. Yeah. This is giving me life. Yep. There's also like a dude that used to break dance on Sesame Street and I was real into him and those are my two first crushes, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that is amazing. What? He was cute. Thank like you for sharing. He has no, no. blue hair. Yeah. You are, you're right. It's yeah. just not. I <laughs> you just, had that locked and loaded. <laughs> I didn't know where that was. Yeah, you were just so ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. I mean, it's, yeah. Sonic, if you're listening. <laughs> just putting it out there. <laughs> I think I've probably, I think I've actually said this before, and it's immersion, it's emerging of. Want, a crush slash just wanting to be, and it's Basil of Baker Street. Oh, Christine's. <laughs> I'm that mouse. You. That mouse. Mousedom. I mean, he plays the violin. He like can do. He has his chemistry. This set. is the Sherlock Holmes mouse, right? I think. I think it's more that I wanted to be Basil. Here's here's the first butter with that drinking game. Drink every time Christine <laughs> it's mentions. Gonna, honestly, it's gonna be last more week's episode is gonna kill you. It's, it's gonna uh, be more and more. starting to be more than uh, Gritty and Connor. Yeah. You know, if you say it every every time, then it's just gonna lose its effect. That's true. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, just you wait. Gritty's going to make a big comeback on this podcast. Yeah, well. Soon, <laughs> soon, soon. Um, okay, who else? Fictional crush. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, um, I would say Jane from Daria. Mm. Great character. Yeah. Um. Daria. 
It's kind of a very standoffish edge, but um, also just a very, uh, very observant and likable person. Um, really cool color palette. Yeah, James great. Yeah. I guess what too, what came? I was just googling the name to make sure I got it. Um, I guess my first crush was from the um, the character Tara from the original Teen Titans cartoon. I don't really quite know why. Hmm. I just think because she, she was very much someone who like started this like villainous character. Just from I haven't seen this in like forever. Uh, I bet I bet it'd be good to go back to watch. I don't know. <laughs> Side thought. <laughs> Um, but I guess just like someone who like started this villain who then kind of turned into this like ally. I don't know. Just that's what pops in my head right when you yeah. ask that question. Teen Titans. Great show. Teen Titans go. Terrible show. Wow. Hot takes. Wow. Um, my answer to this question, there's two, although I don't know if they're, these were my first, but they're like the first that I can really remember. Animated was Spike from X-Men, the X-Men animated series. Mm. Oh, Tim. Yeah. True. I loved him. Um, and then my like real like live action is Keanu Reeves in Speed. Um, oh yeah, we've yeah. talked about Ooh, this. God. Yeah. Keanu baby, that like set the tone for me for the rest of my damn life. The rest of it. <laughs> you could drive me anywhere at fifty miles per hour or more, and it's fine. <laughs> but also like Sandra Bullock in that movie as well. I love her. Mm. That's mm. a great job. She's one I want to be. <laughs> Well, I'll let that drop. Um, anyway. <laughs> Has anyone seen um, So I Married an Ex-Murderer? No. That just, oh, man, it's such no. a good movie. Yeah. Anyway. But, they, like, he does, like, this, like, very, like, um, silly comedic sketch where he's, like, trying to do the, like, um, oh, what's it called? Slam poetry kind of thing. And that's yeah. kind of what you sounded like when you, like, ended. It was just like, mm. Because I had more to say, but I... Yeah, I know. It was good, though. Um, did anyone see 22 Jump Street? Yes. No. Um, the slam poetry... It was funny. It <laughs> was. I love the first one. Uh, the I slam enjoyed it a lot. That What's-His-Face does? Yes. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yep. Funny shit. Uh, Julia... Oh, no... Julia Roberts. Oh, what? Whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, do we? Do you, we have a problem with Julia Roberts? No, Julia Rob hurts. It's oh, the slam oh, that's right. Oh, that's crap. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Dave is like, uh, are we all have a problem with Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts, America's sweetheart? <laughs> I thought this was the beginning well, of like a long rivalry. Well, I think I saw some clickbait. No article that was like julia roberts is done being america's sweetheart after this <laughs> some like fake news you like click it no nope god damn it connor sorry oh well all right so this unfocused group was both unfocused <laughs> and a wild ride succeeded succeeded um all right so let's jump into the conversation which is animated film that I keep returning to and my answer is Pocahontas. Now I mentioned this in our first episode ever as one of my favorite movies and yes it really is it still is to this day. That being said though it's problematic and so that's what I was imagining us talking most about today but um, this is an old movie I have no idea when it came out but I'm sure early 90s or maybe even late 90s um has everyone here seen Pocahontas? 1995. Yes. 1995. Mm -hmm. I have 
probably saw it 10 years ago. Okay. That's last time I saw it. And Dave, you've seen it as well? Good. So I think that we can all participate in this conversation. But um, just to stick with our format, let's go with the person who watched the trailer. Okay. So I've never seen the trailer before. So tell me about it. What do they show? On uh, last week's episode, uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland talked about how the trailer was like from a Disney VHS that played before like the main video. Mm-hmm. It was exactly that. It was like from the studio that has brought you 32 classic films. It's Pocahontas, the 33rd classic film from wow. Disney animation. So it was like I had re- no idea that's it was its number. <laughs> yeah, right. That's so it was intense. like really playing up the idea of like you're gonna fucking love this movie because it's fucking <laughs> Disney. Give us your money. <laughs> like the intention of the trailer. And it played up the music, um, the songs. I mean, Pocahontas has wonderful songs. Yes. And it, uh, the animation style. Um, and then sort of like, you know, Mel Gibson is John oh. Smith. Oh, don't even. Uh, we're going to get into yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Um, so it was just a very like unsurprising trailer. Aside from learning that it was the 33rd uh, film <laughs> in Disney Animation's history. Um, which it yep. really wanted you to know. What did, sort of scenes weird. did they show? Uh, Grandmother Tree was a big uh, one. Excuse me, Grandmother Willow. Willow. Get her Sorry. fucking name right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Grandmother Tree, they showed a lot. Um, and then it was like this man came to a foreign land and found a group of noble savages. Ew. Says that says a line basically like that in the trailer. Um, that really? it's like, yeah, the word savages is used. I believe well, it says noble savages. <laughs> I mean, wow. they say it a Arguably few times. One of the the better songs. It's a great song. We're it gonna is. talk about it. But that's used in like a specific context. Yeah, that's this is just like trailer. That is weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does was also used in a specific context when she was kind of like abducted and taken back to England and heard. She was paraded around as sort of an example of a quote civilized. a civilized savage, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, which is horrifying, um, po- but not part of this <laughs> story. Too, that <laughs> is Pocahontas too. But Adventures also, in England. We're not England. talking about Pocahontas too, but also her real life. <laughs> but also like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. Was she like thirteen yeah. in real life? Fourteen? She, she yeah, she was pretty young, 13. and then she died also very young at like twenty. Probably from like measles. Yeah, or I think a little later than that, but she, I mean, she had her son, and then she pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And with John Rolfe, not with John Smith. Well, Spoilers. She died at 21 years old. Oh, wow. shit. Okay. That's, yeah. Wow. Um, so, trailers like like the lo- a love story for the ages. So, selling, you know, what they thought, what the marketing team thought would make people see this movie is it's a Disney movie. It's a love story. It has great songs. The 33rd. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, that was basically probably the three main selling points. Uh, definitely hyping up like the love story between the two, hmm. and the and like the animals. They had the it had the pug, it had the raccoon, it had the hummingbird. Like so, kind of the kind of wacky characters Percy. that would be Percy <laughs> and Miko. Miko. <laughs> um, okay. The trailer didn't say their names. True, you're right. There's only one name we need to know, and that is Pocahontas. But anyway, John Smith. Ugh. Um, <laughs> all right. So the most. Basic name. The, With a terrible accent. W- basic white bread name you could ever mm. have. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. He does have a crazy accent. Because it's Mel Gibson, and he just did his australian accent. Yeah. Um, also, Christian Bale is in this film. As who? What? Um, Mel Gibson's friend, Thomas. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, he really got into character. He turned himself into animation. I didn't recognize him. 
Just, I have to rewatch it again just to listen to Christian Bale's voice now. <laughs> it's me. I'm gonna be Batman later. He's doing like some newsies jumps off of like oh. some trees. Bogardus, <laughs> where is she? <laughs> Swear to me. Okay. Well, wow. um, <laughs> reviews, Christine. Yeah. So reading the reviews of Pocahontas was really, really interesting. Um, Interesting, especially because there certainly was a lot of controversy when the movie came out. Um, the big questions were, was this a uh, groundbreaking Disney movie featuring a strong female lead of color with beautiful animations and beautiful songs? Or was this a historically inaccurate whitewashing of what was a tumultuous time between Native Americans and European colonizers? And that was kind of coming through in a lot of the reviews I was reading. Um, and are we doing a disservice to children's movies by trying to make them sort of more, like, palatable for a children's audience? Um, so, like, reviews that were kind of connected to these two primary camps or debates were, I mean, Roger Ebert brought up the artistry of the animation, um, but also... Acknowledging the Pocahontas kind of serves more as a simplified symbol of an Indian maid who falls in love with a dashing blonde hero and saves his life. Um, and also there was um, a review that was written by Angela Elise in the L.A. Times when it came out. And she talks about how um, uh, Pocahontas offers her sacrifice uh, with her curvaceous figure and her virginal stature, but they've come to symbolize America's Indian he heroine. Uh, and this, she talks about this fascination with the Indian princess image, um, rightfully dubbed as the Pocahontas Perplex by Raina Green. Uh, trapped within a patriarchal definition, Hollywood's Indian, woman's, Indian women are rarely shown as having anything more important in life than their male relationships. Mm. So these mm. this thing acknowledging that like the sole purpose in her life is to save John Smith. Um, or Mary Kokua. Or, oh, yeah, or certainly. So her, wh who are the men that she is tied to and she has to make a decision mm -hmm. between that or between those two figures. Um, and so, yeah, so some certainly debates about depictions of um, Native American women through this movie. Uh, while also acknowledging the beautiful, beautiful animation and the beautiful songs that um, that go along with it. And uh, Sophie Gilbert, actually, this is a writer from The Atlantic. She wrote an article within the past year about revisiting Pocahontas. Mm. And she wrote an interesting piece that then I actually began reading the response to that piece that was like, Sophie Gilbert from The Atlantic wrote this piece and got skewered for it. She was actually talking about how, like, the empowering Pocahontas really was as a, as a figure and as a, as a character, um, but also acknowledges that over time she's come to embody the trope of the good Indian or one that offers her own life to help save a white settler. Mm. Um, and acknowledges criticism for the movie taking liberties with uh, history of Pocahontas's age and her Smith with or her relationship with Smith. So all that is to say in the moment when Pocahontas came out, a lot of controversy over debates about 
what was being told through this story and people also returning to this movie, talking about it and trying to navigate and negotiate these sort of different ideas about how to read the movie and also the responses to it. So a lot there. Um, I'll be curious to kind of hear folks that watched it, kind of what it was like to rewatch yeah. watch the movie. Yeah. So before we get really into it, I just kind of want to say why I picked this. Because mm-hmm. like I said before, this was one of my favorite movies and it continues to be. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with nostalgia. Um, when I was a kid, I must have watched this movie. God, a thousand times. And Christine, I think last week you asked about like, what are movies that like have really stuck with us or one that you feel and you could, you almost know every single line and you know every moment. And this is that film for me. Um, and when I was a kid, I used to take my mattress off the, the box spring and I used to put it at an angle so I could pretend it was a waterfall that mm-hmm. I was jumping down. Just like Pocahontas. So like, mm-hmm. I genuinely loved this film. But, like, with that said, I think that we can't talk about this film and talk about the good things or the memories and not talk about Mm. all of these issues. And so my central question for Tori and then for everyone else who watched the film is, should we continue to watch this movie? And, like, if you were going to, like, if you had a child, which, like, I know, controversial for some of us in this room, fair Mm -hmm. enough. But if you had a child... Are you going to let them watch this? Should we continue to watch this film? I think that's interesting because before I talk about the movie, a couple weeks ago I went to a conference uh, and it was a museum conference and I heard from all of these really amazing museums who are doing interesting things. But uh, one of the museums that I saw speak was the... um, Smithsonian of the American Indian, like the history of the American Mm -hmm. Indian, and they have an exhibit called Americans, which is um, kind of taking some of these like bigger stereotypes and basically like these are the things white people know about Native Americans and like kind of changing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there actually is a whole Pocahontas uh, aspect to it, which is interesting, but a lot of it is just all of this imagery of like, you know, the stuff we talk about now that's super controversial, like using Indians as mascots and stuff like that. So, like, the like a huge part of this exhibit is just showing that imagery. Um, and not necessarily saying, like, we shouldn't, like, look at this or something like that, but kind of just, like, recognizing that, like, these this is not what, um, like, is true about, mm-hmm. like, them and, like, their culture. Like, this is just what they have become, um, which I think is pretty hard for people to do. So it is really interesting that we talk about this movie for that reason, too. Like, I think, I think, yeah, like, I can see how people would still rewatch it and show it, but I think in order to do so now, you have to be super honest about what it is. Um, and... I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I love this movie. I remember very vividly when it first came out and, like, being very excited about the commercials and the fucking McDonald's toys that they had in the The boxes. Yep. Uh huh. Uh Like, I remember that, like, so vividly. Um, But at the same time, like, I think I rewatch Pocahontas every couple of years and I'm like, you know, this has problems. Um, And, you know, I still love the music, I still love the imagery, but um, as far as, like, the plot and all that, I am, like, much more critical of it. And I kind of, like, am able to separate, like, what it is to watch it now versus, like, just the feelings I got from it when I was younger for, like, the more basic things, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, as far as music, like Colors of the Wind is just Holy such shit. a beautiful and it, song. Yeah, it looks amazing. That song is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I have this thing where I like to put my cat's name into songs. And so, <laughs> just around the river Fweb. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's so wholesome. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I mean, the music is incredible the music for this. Is Alan incredible. Menken does it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alan Menken is a hero amongst men. But, okay, so... Should we continue to show this movie? Should we have people watch it? Um, does all of this negative aspect, like not showing the history of Native people um, correctly, like whitewashing everything, does it detract away from the movie's message? First of all, do you think the movie has a message? And do you think it detracts from it now? Hmm. I mean, from what I remember watching, the core of the message is, you know, what should we live divided? Like what thinking about what divides us, what historically has divided us of like savages versus like enlightened Europeans. Like what are divisions that we create for ourselves? And I think ultimately how that's like not the correct answer (laughs) to run. So I think like from just what I remember, that's kind of like the core of the movie is unity is like, will always be more powerful than disunity (laughs) division. That's the, so like, yeah, like the broader message is something that's good. It's just not necessarily, doing it in the best way like yeah, for what we would consider now i don't think it necessarily like i don't really care if a movie is like fictionalized and like kind of plays fast and loose with history if like that's what it's trying to do like if you're trying to make something historically accurate then definitely do your best but for this it's not necessarily the historical inaccuracies but it's more the idea of i guess like you bring up like whitewashing or yeah. the idea of like i don't know just making it weird right well, like, it, I guess also, too, like, what history is it okay to do that with and mm. what history is it not? And you can make a pretty good argument that if you're going to, like, you know, make something inaccurate, maybe this isn't the type of history to do that to. Well, uh, and the idea that you're hiding the idea of, like, what European invasion of, of North America actually was like, that's something that should not mm. be messed with. But if you're, like, messing with names or... Tori, you bring up like a really important question. It's like, so this writer from the Atlantic was like, this was essentially Disney producing for the first time a movie about uh, like an adult female, like a woman of color um, and also interpreting a real or certainly taking liberties with it, but a person that existed in history. Mm -hmm. And with that, take like comes a lot of responsibility and like mm-hmm. is a disney movie ready and equipped to take on all the different mm-hmm. complexities of interpreting this story and that's like yeah as it's like that's a big question is mm-hmm. like should a disney movie like disney productions like not take on that story like mm-hmm. what needs to go into interpreting a story like yeah. this um, in the most complex way. Also, one thing for me, too, was not even just the fact that it's like, um, you know, whitewashing, you know, what settlers were doing to these people. But um, also just her as like, you know, maybe a character, like a feminist character, potentially. Like, I don't really know totally thinking about it now, like what her arc was. Like, she just wanted to kind of be like independent. And that was kind of like you know, her whole theme through most of it and, like, not going exactly with what, like, her father wants and what's, like, you know, the tribe wants and all of that stuff. But, um, 
Then there's also like this whole aspect where like she wants to be free and then she fucking marries like a stuffy Englishman in the end, you know, like that kind of stuff, too. Where... So maybe looking for like a little more character depth. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There, I don't I think there isn't as much depth as I would like, especially now thinking about that character. Um, yeah, I just feel like there's probably more that could have been done. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think, though, for me, a really important scene is at the very end where John Smith is like, come with me, come back to England. And mm-hmm. she says no. Yeah. She's like, my place is here. Yeah. Which Is that how it ends? Yeah, that's how it ends. Um, and he just sails away. Um, but for me, I think that this question is one that I feel really conflicted about. Mm. Because as much as I fucking love this movie, like, <laughs> it's really important to me that, like, marginalized history and marginalized people have their correct voices heard Mm. and like the fact that disney took on this for the first time like talking about like a woman of color and this part of history that's like really complicated to to understand and, and to talk about especially from white people and to white people um i think that like not having someone of like native or indigenous background working on the project is like a mistake so disney like Mm. take note for future well actually i don't know that that's necessarily entirely correct i think that they did have um uh, this is uh this is only via imdb um quote in their quest for authenticity disney studios hired mostly uh native american actors they also employed uh native american consultants and had a session with a real shaman one note additionally is that uh native american activist uh russell means uh has referred to the film in particular its opening as being quote the single best representation of american indians that hollywood has ever done end huh. quote well shit then i take that back but i still think like there's a point being of like how much control did they really have? You might have consulted these folks, but like how much creative control did they have? So I guess like I'd be curious to learn a little bit more about that, but yeah. And it does beg the question. I just found that factoid earlier today and was like, that's interesting, but I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't stand really against my doubt. It's like like the best representation, but it's like, but Representation before that was probably pretty yeah, bad. Best so was a production and there's, there's yeah, a lot to go into that. But yeah. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because now I'm thinking like, okay, well, and and Connor, I think you mentioned this too, like historical accuracy and inaccuracy. Mm-hmm. Like, were those people consulted? Um, did they know the true story of Pocahontas? And then they were like, yeah, you can totally rewrite her. Like, that's totally fine. And I think like I had learned once in the past that. John Smith had a journal, and in the journal, he wrote a story about Pocahontas, and that's what the movie is based off of, mm-hmm. if I'm recalling correctly. But I think that, like, Pocahontas' story is so fucking sad and depressing yeah. that, like, to create this entirely new character could have just been called something else. Yeah. That's an interesting point. And yeah. I think How? that... Hold on, hold on. Because I'm getting on a point. I don't want no, to yeah, my, derail. My um, the, the point is, is that in certain Native cultures, names are so important. And so when I was doing, like, some prep for this, I found out that, like, Pocahontas was actually not Pocahontas's, like, real origin name. It was something else. But in order to protect her, they they started her um 
her tribe started calling her Pocahontas to white people. And so, like, that's the name she had for mm-hmm. them. Oh. And, and you know, if this is wrong, like, you can feel free to correct me in the comments or whatever. But, like, that's that's my perspective of it. And so perspective came up a lot for me when I was watching the film, like, thinking about it, like, okay, so you're not telling her story. You're t- t- telling history, right? You're telling John Smith's recollection Mm -hmm. um but also perspective with the song savages and how it goes back and forth like oh white people are savages oh the natives are savages and so i think like as a white child growing up and watching this it was like oh well i see people who look like me um kind of like villains and then Mm. so you see people who don't look like me who are not so it's it was helpful for me to like empathize the people who like I didn't have experience with but like as an adult looking Mm -hmm. back on this my perspective is no the only villain in this film is white people like I think they even say that at one point was like these white men are dangerous and like true true (laughs) and I'm trying to also think about like what I knew at the time and I feel like that was kind of a you know like my dad being such a history buff and stuff i feel like i kind of knew even then like it wasn't totally like and i didn't so really yeah well one thing that does kind of come to come to into play at the end in the final confrontation and the climactic uh, uh rescuing of uh of john smith via pocahontas is you know the the native people looking at themselves and their actions about to kill this man as like, oh my gosh, look look where we stand on the mm-hmm. same ground as the people that are seeking to colonize us. We're, right. we're also kind of monstrous in our own way. It's like, that's... Mm. No, that doesn't cut it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right, fair. exactly, yeah. Yeah. I think you bring up an important point, Sam, too, in the idea of, like, Pocahontas' story um, in history actually being extremely sad and extremely dramatic. And when I would watch this movie as a child, all I saw was just powerful story and then like wonderful conclusion and then everything is happy. And it has a happy ending. (laughs) Exactly. And like, you know, that interpretation, Oh, you know, she lets John or like John Smith's, goes and she returns back to her family and that's that. And they all understand that they're equal. Walk away with their understanding. And then colonization never happens. They all left. We're all good. (laughs) And it makes me think like is it actually more damaging to to change stories to be more palatable for children? And like Mm -hmm. there was this quote or this review um, by Janet Maslin from the New York Times when the movie came out and in just passing, she, make a, she makes a statement that she says, in its own decorative way, the film does show how this young American Indian woman played an important role as a peacemaker. But I saw this phrase like in its own decorative way as being like, ooh, that right. for such a complex and ultimately intensely sad story to use the phrase like decorative mm-hmm. is, is really doing a disservice mm-hmm. to the actual mm-hmm. story. And it kind of diminishes the realness and like kind of like the terror, not kind of like the ultimate yeah. terror of colonialization and like through depicting this through animation in a way that it's been not to say that an like in many ways animation can create moments of impact and importance and mm-hmm. intensity, but like, ultimately is this movie merely decorative and that would be like not doing justice to 
the sadness of her story and kind of the intensity of larger mm. narratives around like colonialization and the yeah. decimation of like native tribes. Mm. But And what you said too, it's like, call it something else. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like interesting. Like I didn't, I've never th- really thought about that. They're like, yeah, you, you could do that yeah, and make it, have, it its own thing. Yeah, did it have to be Pocahontas? Yeah. yeah. And like how... Since it's entirely different. Because I remember also like seeing very young like her in history book stuff and they kind of try to make it this like inspirational thing even in like the, the kids history books I was mm-hmm. reading. Um, and I never totally understood that. Well, she is a <laughs> remarkable figure. She is. Totally. She totally is. But it is... In general, like they they don't really you know describe that. Yeah, it was pretty sad. Like yeah. it was all very sad. It kind of reminds me of Hunchback of Notre Dame, where it's like, should this be a story that's Disneyfied? Oh, good point. Mm, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Oh man, Hunchback's got some shit in it too. Yeah. God well, bless like, the and, and the book ends with him like throwing himself in Esmeralda's grave and dying, starving to mm. death mm. in her grave. Like that's how the. I'm pretty sure that's how the book ends, and like that's not in the movie. So I think that brings up a good nope. point of like, should you know, are some stories and narratives? I mean, they are more apt to Disneyfication mm. than you know others. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like in our conversation about Coco, I feel like there are steps that like Pixar and Disney have taken to. I mean, Coco revolves around the whole idea. So Disney. Uh, wrestled with death, tackled, or, you know, talked about the idea of losing a loved one in the process of, of death and family. Um, so they've, they've come somewhat from... Progress has been made. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I think, like, the, the last big thing I want to say about this movie is that, for me, it represents how far I have to go. So like as a white woman, I feel like there's been a lot that I've had to unlearn and teach myself and work hard on like how to talk about these complex issues, how I should be an intersectional feminist and those things. And I think that it's a journey that I'm constantly learning. And this movie represents that area. Um, So I think that was a really great deep conversation. Um, But, there are some other things that I want to talk about with this movie. I also just um, want to say, too, I think it's interesting, like, you you asked that question, like, is it something people should watch? Is it something, like, we would want, like, our kids to watch and stuff like that? And I'm like, I don't really know. Like, that's interesting to think about, like, what yeah. what those things would be. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be just, cool I think to have a, a... Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to have a conversation with your kid? Be like, I mean, we're yeah, watching this I movie. I would love to be like, yo, let's talk about this shit. Uh, yeah. In and fact, kind of how that I would feel, be a challenging, yeah. interesting yeah. way of it, like of not a, yeah, like not in the way kid. like we experienced it, probably. Yeah, but like just sit down in front of the TV. And like, watch there's a purpose I am putting this on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I would hate to not share something so important to me with my child. yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, let's get into the the real nitty gritty <laughs> of the movie, which is um, I know we all want to talk about it, and we just mentioned it. Mel Gibson mm. as John. Smith. Crikey. 
I just feel like now that I'm older and I realize that, that's one thing. Like, there's so much other, like, the historical inaccuracy, like, you know, some inherent, like, racism issues and whatnot. And I'm just like, oh, but Mel Gibson's voice just fucking ruins it for me. I know. And um, Netflix has the, like, the 15th or the 20th anniversary special on there. And they added in a new song. Um, It's called If I Never Knew You. And holy shit, is it good. But uh, Mel Gibson sings it, so. Is he a good singer? I didn't know that it was him for a while. It sounds a lot like him, so I'm like, it probably was. It's good. It's like baritone. It's it's good. (laughs) It's good. It's good. Um, Something else Mm. that I want to talk about are the animals, because holy shit. I mean, they're so cute and adorable. But this represents one thing that I had to unlearn, which is calling things my spirit animal. Like, oh, yeah. We talked about this recently. Yeah, I have since learned that, like, that's offensive and, like, cultural appropriation. So instead, I'm just going to call things, like, my Patronus, because I feel like that's something that, like, is safer and and, and less offensive and and more correct. I got schooled on that idea a few months ago. In, like, a good way. Like, it was a good, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always, if I do something wrong and, like, I don't know it, you don't have to, like, school me in it. You could just be like, hey, yeah. this thing you said is not great. And I'll be like, oh. And I'll do my research and I'll figure that out. Yeah, like, when we talked about that, I'm like, yeah, that's not something I think about a lot. But I can also see why, like, that is important to someone else and, like, not as, you know, that yeah. language is not necessarily as important to me. Yeah. And the reason why it came up for me is because I, I, I kept saying that Miko was my spirit animal. And so, like, no, the, the correct thing is Miko is my Patronus. Patronus is a raccoon. Oh, Miko is the raccoon. Is Miko the raccoon? Oh, oh yeah. great. That reminds me that I have a raccoon picture on my phone. I saved for you and never yes. sent you. So. Those paws. Oh. Miko's Aww. feet. Adorable. That's something that sticks out. I mean, I haven't seen Pocahontas in a very long time, but those little feet. A little hummingbird, too. Like all of the mm-hmm. those, you know. For me, it's too much. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for me, the the animals, there's one too many because there's there's the raccoon. What's the pug's name? Percy. And, Percy. and there's the pug and there's the hummingbird and they're all competing for space constantly just making their chirpy noises. The one thing <laughs> but the one thing that I do appreciate is that um Disney as they were producing it was going we're going to have these as uh speaking characters. Um, oh, but then decided not to do that, which is oh, great because I think it's too much as it is. Yeah. I think they're fine, but it's a bit they're a bit overpronounced within the context of the story. So thank God they don't talk because otherwise <laughs> they it just make been, cute little noises. If nothing else, thank yeah. God they don't talk. Going back to the trailer real quick, uh, I think it was it made a kind of highlight of like the difference between like a breeded pug and then mm-hmm. like a wild raccoon. Right. Of like this is like Pocahontas's pet, and then the Percy is like this like hybrid, you know, mm. like European pug dog with an um, Elizabethan collar. But whether yes. you're you're bred or not, for... everyone loves tea biscuits. A biscuit, yeah, because those biscuits look dope, right? They yeah, do. Back to our animated food discussion mm. from it's, ago. I think about it all the time. They're so yeah. dry, I imagine, mm-hmm. and. They crusty. They've been on that ship for months. Those crumbs. <gasps> I know. Uh, maybe a little bit of mold yeah. on them. Yeah. I mean, it, at but one they point, so doesn't buttery. Miko pick off like garbage to eat it? <laughs> Miko like... knows better than to uh, uh, just eat a biscuit um, as it is. Is is Miko your favorite animated companion? Yes, oh, without a doubt. I'm gonna get like a Miko raccoon related really tattoo. Good. Yeah, I love Miko very much. <laughs> There's one thing I wanted to say about him that I can't remember what it is. Oh, um, in the song, uh, 
just around the river bend. Mm-hmm. And there's this one part where it's like, da, 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 in the song. <laughs> I just hit my nose off the microphone because I'm yeah. so excited. Um, it's like, da, 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 and Miko is getting hit with fish behind a waterfall. And he like turns around and looks at Pocahontas like angrily, but it's really adorable. Is Miko in the sequel? Yes, I think mm-hmm. all of the animals are in the sequel. I've the never seen the sequel. I'm pretty sure everyone goes to England. Never seen. Yeah, it. so I, I was watching little clips of the sequel because I was like intrigued by. So the sequel does she goes have to her England. go to England with John Rolfe. Well, she sees John Smith there. She goes there for John Smith for some reason, but I kind of forget why. Like he's she in doesn't go or with something. John Rolfe. No, like. John, something is wrong with John Smith, and so she ends up in England, and she okay. meets John Rolfe <laughs> while she is in England. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, and it's also weird to think of that as like a, a thing that we grew up with too, because it was like we're kind of I think used to like the stereotypical Disney thing of like princesses having their happy ending with their person, yeah. and that's actually where they make the sequel, and she does not end up with the love interest. In does the first she die one. in the second one? Because I only saw clips they do, where they there was do like not get that deep. This weird song where she's like trying on a corset, and it's like the oh, woman's like, like she gets married. I think at the end of the second one, okay. probably. You know what would be a great. Yeah. The segment. ultimate happy conclusion. Yeah, like, you know, she's in stuffy English <laughs> One <wear>. year later, <laughs> she's like... Yeah, as soon as oh. she put that corset on, it's like, all right, this is not freedom. <laughs> like, what the fuck? One day we should rank all the crappy Disney sequels. Like, just the cash grab, like, oh, Aladdin 2. enough. There are so Disney many Wait, Aladdin what sequels. what was Aladdin 2 called? Oh, I have no idea. Isn't it Return of Jafar? No. It's, it's the... Yeah, it's the Return of Jafar. It is? The, the I think so. The third one is the... Uh, there's a third That's one. That's the the one with his dad, right? Yeah, the something. Uh, Thirty thieves. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Yeah, of. Return of Jafar is pretty great. I haven't seen Return of Jafar. Also, the Christmas remember. special for Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it's all right. That's that's good. Hunchback two. I don't think I saw that, but I remember like he he's supposed to fall in love in the second one, right? Uh, probably. I think I think that was the point. Yeah. Lion yeah. King one and a half. Yes, oh, Lion King. Okay. Also, Lion King 2 is not so bad. Simba's pride. Anyway, I think we're getting off track a little. Sorry. Also. Sorry for um, that distraction. Okay, so any last things about Pocahontas we want to talk about that we didn't get to? I am really happy we talked about this movie because I do remember seeing this also as like a child mm-hmm. and being like, these songs want to yeah. sing over and over again. One thing that also came up for me, and I was thinking about this, like all the controversy with like kids dressing up as certain characters, yeah. mm-hmm. which was interesting. Like I think it was specifically Moana that they were talking about. Yeah. And I feel like when I was younger, like I probably like wanted to dress up like Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I remember having the necklace, like I yeah, had a I plastic had necklace, necklace yep. version mm-hmm. of the one she is wearing, and thinking about how like. Yeah, like, that probably wouldn't have been as problematic then, which is, like, super weird to think about. Because, like, even now we have people dressing up as, like, you know, the sexy Indian dresses. And we're like, this isn't okay. Like, uh, but back then, I'm sure you could go into a Disney store and they probably had a Pocahontas costume, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something to think about. Like, Like, can you ever... No, and I mean, I think the answer is no. Probably like, not. You can't no, ever dress I don't up. think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are ways to like little girls can dress up as Moana and not be of that yeah. 
like like but um there are like appropriate ways to do that but like with mm-hmm. pocahontas it feels like no yeah and it's just weird to think that that is something that was probably okay like at that time and i'm sure there were probably like girls our age that like did that yeah 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 um so great that was pocahontas i think consensus is that yeah it's problematic but you know there's a conversation to be had around it totally yeah Definitely. I think that's, like, always what's important. Yeah. Well, all right. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back at you with our whiteboard question. So, welcome back. Now it's time for our whiteboard question. Sticking with the theme of animation, my question for all of you folks is, if you could live in an animated film, universe, what have you, what would it be and why? So right away my head went to SpongeBob SquarePants. Mm. But (laughs) but then I realized that that world's only fun if you're SpongeBob or Patrick. If you're just like a normal person, like old a nematode, man oh man, my Jen- leg guy. Yeah, <laughs> like you're just like going about your normal life. Like nothing is extraordinary. It's just the real world, unless you're like SpongeBob or one of these extraordinary characters. Uh, and then I kind of think I settled on Atlantis, like the world Ooh. of Atlantis. I thought that was just like a really cool world. You want a deep sea world? I-, I think I would really like a deep sea world. Would you want Little Nemo? I mean, fine. Sorry, finding Nemo. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't doing a little Nemo plug. There are three Nemo. No, 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 no. There are three Nemos no, in the no, Western no, no. Canada. I mean, Nemo. I mean, I mean, Nemo, Nemo. Oh, the Finding Nemo world Hanging would be cool. Hanging out with like hippie turtles. A manta ray. Yeah. I love manta rays. Ooh, now it's Finding Nemo. I changed my mind. Oh, the the wicked fucking lobsters. <laughs> Living in a sea anemone. I would love to live in that a sea anemone. Cool. Yeah. No, Finding Nemo. That's my answer. Mm. Lock it in. All right. Who's next? I feel like mine is one that like, yeah, it's it's over the garden wall, which like I talk mm. about that a lot. So I feel like it probably makes sense. But I really like the aesthetic of that TV show. Um, there's specifically a place called Pottsfield that just has like pumpkin creepy people living in it, which I think the first time I saw that episode, I screamed like, fuck yeah. Like when I was like, this is a thing. Um, they're like, you know, dancing, talking frogs. It's very silly. Yeah. That's my answer. And it also takes place in fall. So where can you watch that show on? Is that on Netflix? Or? Um, I believe you can watch it on Hulu. That's how I watch it. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think that my second choice is going to be, uh, since this is, uh, also includes TV animation, uh, Rocco's Modern Life. <sighs> Universe. Nice. It's like a great universe. That'd be a weird ass place. Weird to live. ass place. Living in O Town. Um. Yeah, with some smelly dogs, with like, uh, Rocco, Heifer, all the great characters. The like. Chokey Chicken. And Ooh, yeah, isn't there that episode where he's like stuck in the mall for forever? 
Yeah. I think so. Like maybe it would be a very disorienting universe, but I feel like it's it's a wonderful universe. Well, Except the universe for a kids TV show that pretty accurately renders credit card debt in oh. one episode. <laughs> would you want to be one of like the characters in the show, or would you be like Christine as you are in? The well, I world? couldn't be me as be I am. I have to be like a wild. <laughs> the I'd, I'd have to be like. I'd ha- there would need some tweak. I'd need to, you know, go through a transformation. What to, would your transformation look like? I don't know. Some like, wa- I don't know what animal may- I would want to be. Um, maybe I would. I would want to live. Maybe I'd live with heifer with the wolves, mm-hmm. and I'd have some like just wild. I want a rotation of wild shirts, like Rocco shirts. Mm, true. That's your real life right now. That's very appropriate. <laughs> Living with Heifer with the wolves. What's his dog's name? <laughs> no, the wild name? shirt. It's oh. the wild shirt. What's his dog's name? Spunky. Oh, I think he's like my favorite always... animated animal. He's so cute. Oh and like, I feel I'm like sometimes looking... kind of sad or weird things yes. would happen to him yes. and it like really got me. Oh my God. Yeah. Just. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a good one. Mm. All right. Who else? Dave? Um... Yeah, so I'm not really sure. I guess, um, I guess of all the uh, you know kind of like fantastical animated uh, places I see rendered, um, I I would say just the Looney Tunes. I mean, just Ooh. like Looney Tunes are pretty just like normal framework or those like the interior of a house or it's like the um, the Wild West if it's like a Roadrunner cartoon, but also with the like uh, condition that. It be like the Looney Tunes physical universe. So, like, if I throw down a black hole, like an Acme black hole <laughs> on the ground, I'm going to be able to jump to a different place, or I can Ooh. burrow from here to uh, to wherever. You uh, can like run Bugs in the Bunny air until can. you realize you're running in the air. Yeah. So, if I can live in a universe that embodies the physical reality of a cartoon, then it would definitely be the Looney Tunes because I think that would be, uh, yeah. you know, hilarious, uh, hilarious slapstick life to live. Dynamite might mean means nothing. Like you can explode oh, yeah. a million times, and like you're good. You, I would love to run through a wall, and that's your like just getting decked by pianos all the time. But like <laughs> you know, that's just part of the day. Also, did anyone think it looked kind of cozy? Like whenever like they tried to like get like um, Bugs Bunny into like a pot to cook him, like and he's just like taking a bath like in a hot tub. Oh, and he, it like just, cuts like, up the looked, carrots for them. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know. It was like some self care stuff. You know, it looked like he was having a lovely bath. <laughs> Also, great testament to like the power of the mind. You've got Bugs Bunny transforming a boiling pot into a sauna. Yeah, he's loving it. Like a bath. Yeah. And then you've got Roadrunner running out into this air until. Is he the one who like falls? It would be Wiley, Wiley. It would be Wiley, Wiley. Okay. Wiley running until he actually realizes that he needs Mm -hmm. to fall. But like, if you can train your brain, man, you can cross anything. You could, yeah, you could kill in that universe. Yeah. Can that be like a Red Dead Redemption thing? Like they make a video game of just living in this universe and like learning the rules. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So my answer to this question is not going to shock anybody, but I would be in the Marvel universe. I would be a mutant. Ooh. And my superpower would be um, very similar to Rogue, where uh, in, instead of taking people's energy or taking their power, I instead would influence people's emotions. Ooh. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. Like Mantis. Yeah. Very similar to that. How would that play out? I don't know. <laughs> what, would, what colors would your, would your like, uniform be? Well, I would be an X-Men, so it would be like their uniform colors but i would just look like rogue 
basically, like myself. Sweet. I I also really like Kitty Pride Shadow Cat. You just like mm. phase through things. I like that a lot. I feel like as a kid, I never thought that was like a cool power, but as an adult, like man, that'd be so cool. Like realize yeah. that like you can yeah, just like some of those kind of make more sense when you get older, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, when it's like, wow, like, I remember the episode of X-Men Evolution where she, like, phases train controls to make a break. It's like, man, if you could just, like, turn off, like, electricity things, mm-hmm. like, that'd be cool. Or, like, I don't know. That's yeah. definitely power that's, like, a little subtle for, like, a young kid. And you're like, oh, wait, that'd be actually really rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then I would also be scared that I'd fall through the earth. There's also that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be really petrified of that, actually. Aren't we all scared? We're just going to fall through the earth. If it takes me, it takes me. That's all I'm thinking. That's how I am. Uh, that's where I am mm. right now. All right. Any... This is a good note to end on. Um, anything we want to plug or anything like that before we sign off for the night? Uh, definitely want to do a shout out to our friend, um, Misty, who is opening a bookstore with her husband mm-hmm. on Pass Young Ave Woo. called A Novel Idea. Uh, soft open is December 1st. Um, you can look up A Novel Idea on Instagram, Facebook, give it a Google. Um, definitely go and support local used bookstores. So opening December 1st. And they're going to do events and stuff there, too. It's going to be cool. Yeah, they're going to have like um, open mic nights. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's going to be a really awesome space. Yeah. Mm. Um, Chill and Kill Horror. My next one will be uh, Black Christmas. Nope. It's not going to be that movie you want to say. Um, yeah. Look look it up. Come join. I'm probably bake things per usual. Yeah. Cool. Um, follow us on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And to let us know, you listened all the way to the very end. Comment on this episode's Instagram post and tell us... <laughs> Um, God. What's your favorite Pocahontas song? Yeah, there it is. Perfect. Tell tell us your favorite Pocahontas song. I mean, I feel like there's a right answer. (laughs) Is there? Yeah. Just around the river flab. (laughs) The cat version of it, yes. Which now you have to have a music video of a flab doing it. Is all my dreaming at a flab? Oh, Oh, damn. Yeah, Yeah, there it is. I really get it. Yeah, you kill it. I go for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who does the voice in the singing of Pocahontas? Isn't it Jody Benson? Isn't it always Jody Benson? It might actually Judy, not be. Oh, God, no. Judy Coon? Oh, could also be. It's Judy Coon, I think. If what? you know, then post it <laughs> yes. in the comments. Let us will know. No one is reaching for their phone to look it up, so <laughs> we're all sort of like, eh, we're done. <laughs> all right, well. So many hidden questions. Yeah. Hidden questions, hidden meetings, Pocahontas. And that's it. Good night, everybody. Or good day. Good evening. <laughs> who, who knows what time it is you're listening to this? Good day. Good day.